Good morning, church family. I will confess it is a bit strange sitting here at my desk talking to a camera and imagining your beautiful faces on the other side. So forgive me if it looks strange, feels strange. Preaching from the pulpit is a little bit easier, especially with an audience. But the one advantage of sitting in my office and in front of a microphone and a camera it does feel in another sense like I can have a personal conversation, like like I'm kind of stepping into your living room off of the stage. It isn't a personal visit, but it feels a little bit more personal. And that's one reason I've, I've kind of um, shared from that more personal level last week and this week. I'm going to do the same again. Today's message is... The Secret Soul of Mission. Before I get started, I just want to pray together. God, thank you so much for this church family. Thank you for your incredible kindness. Please bless today's gathering. As we're separated, may we be together in spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, I hope you're safe and warm. I know that it's probably snowing outside, and um, so we're in our warm house, and I hope you are the same. Today, again, talking about the subject, the secret soul of mission. I put a couple of teasers out if you saw them on Facebook. I want to begin with one of the passages that sticks out in my mind on this topic, In fact, today we're going to look at several Bible passages on the topic. Here's the first one, Matthew 6, 5 through 6. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So, and in a passage that gets right at the idea of the secret soul, I'm thinking specifically about the importance of prayer. This sermon is is kind of the second installment in a quasi-series or what you might say sermon emphasis on mission. This year, as the year begins, I have a strong interest in focusing on missional living. And by missional living, another way to put that would be to say living actively engaged in mission. Following Jesus involves responding to the call of Jesus to share with him and with other disciples doing his mission. And that's what I want to really emphasize. And Peter, Pastor Peter, is going to help me do this over the next few months to emphasize again and again the importance of being on mission. It is important for us as disciples to be connected to each other, but the best way to be connected 
to one another is by sharing together in mission. As we engage with with each other, ministering to others, it knits all of our hearts to each other as well as to Jesus. And so I'm emphasizing this year mission. And I promised you the end of 2021 that we would also focus on another nine, uh, excuse me, not 90, but 40 days of prayer. That's going to begin once we get back into meeting together because I want to actually give you something as part of that. But today's message is to kind of get the ball rolling a little bit faster. Prayer is, as I've called it in this message, the secret soul of mission because, and here's that text in Matthew 6, back to that text, Jesus said, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Matthew 6, at the beginning, the first several verses, Jesus emphasizes the importance of secretness in mission or in living out the mission of Jesus. And here, it's the secretness of prayer. In other words, there is this this powerful place where mission begins that is hidden away from the eyes of everyone else. This personal space where God and the believer connect for the sake of the world, where God and the believer connect over mission, and that connection in private has profound impacts publicly and personally too, of course. The next verse is also on this topic of prayer. Let's look at it. Luke 10, 2 and 3. The harvest, Jesus speaking here, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I'm going to pause before going into verse 3. Luke 10, two and th- Luke 10, verse 2, gives us a kind of prayer to pray. Jesus first saying, listen, the harvest is plentiful. Like the wheat, everywhere you look, the wheat is ripening and ready to be harvested. And then he gives that instruction. So pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out, or in this case, uh, the word is ekbalo, to throw out laborers into the harvest field. So part of the prayer life of the Christian is in that secret place saying, God, raise up workers for the ripe harvest. But here's the fascinating twist in the passage, verse 3. So verse 2 says, God, the harvest is ripe. Please send out reapers, laborers. But the next verse, verse 3 says, is Jesus speaking, go. (coughs) I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So there is this this juxtaposition. The harvest is, is ripe, pray for laborers, and then that's matched up with this Go. So there is this this dual nature to Jesus' teaching here of the, the, the disciple praying for laborers. Excuse me. The disciple praying for laborers. 
and then also being a laborer. It's almost in one sense the disciples' prayer embraces not only others who may be sent, but the sending of themselves is also embraced in that prayer in a sense. So part of our missional prayer is to be God send laborers and then for me to go out and be one of those laborers while I'm also praying for laborers. Acts chapter 1 is a chapter I alluded to, by the way, in, uh, in promoting the, the sermon. But Acts chapter 1 is the early church, and I want you to notice something in the first chapter. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So power for mission is promised by Jesus. So then this passage continues in Acts chapter 1. Verse 12 now, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. Now verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Really important. Jesus says, you'll receive power. Few recorded a few verses earlier. It's been, you know, a few days before. Jesus says, you'll receive power, and then you'll be my witnesses. And the disciples' response to that is to pray together in Jerusalem. You know what happens next, and that's in chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So notice, they go to Jerusalem in chapter 1, and they pray together, they make supplication together. In other words, the secret soul of mission is prayer, prayer in the closet, and prayer together, and as a result of that prayer, they find themselves in one accord, in one place. They're together, not only in proximity, but in like physical proximity, but in proximity of heart. And it's the prayer together that leads them to be together. And in that context, verse 2 of chapter 2 says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What you and I, what I want to make clear to us, what you and I need to understand is that Prayer precedes power. Now, obviously, there are other pieces of this, but today's focus is prayer. You and I pressing into God 
individually and then together, that precedes mission power. And then I want you to continue with me in just a minute, actually. Because I want to say two things. The first one is that this prayer time and the subsequent receiving of the Holy Spirit is the starting point of what might be called stage two of the early church. Stage one being Jesus calling the disciples. Stage two being the disciples coming together and receiving the Holy Spirit. And that spirit-driven movement would turn the world upside down. Now I want to pause and say something else. This is the second thing. And I want to say a word about distraction. I am aware that some of our folks are really absorbed in theological discussion about the end of the world, about vaccines and masking and you name it. And I want to make the observation that that is most likely a distraction. The place the church needs to be is in in the gospel, pressing into Jesus, and being about God's mission. Now, I'll acknowledge there is value in understanding prophecy, but there are too many of us who are consumed with the unfolding events around us and actually distracted from Jesus and mission. Listen, it happened in the early church. John 5, 39, this is actually before the early church, Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of his time who rejected him. John 5, 39, 540, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have eternal life. Jesus highlighted a time where spiritual leaders were in the scriptures, knowledgeable of the scriptures, but completely missed him. So what you need to be aware of is this very real risk that we can be busy theologically, we can be thinking about prophecy, about religious things, talking a good talk, but completely missing the mission of Jesus. What's that mission? Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And that preaching is done in deeds and in words, and it's the story of God's good and beautiful character. Really important. Listen, I can't emphasize this enough. I'm not going to get on a big tangent today, but I just want to really appeal to you. If you're watching all that prophecy stuff and just consuming tons of YouTube media and kind of getting spun up Facebook, wherever around prophecy stuff, I'm just really want to appeal to you to just dial back because a lot of this has become a selfish obsession with the future of my Christian faith, the future for me, instead of me being obsessed about the future and the well-being of my fellow citizens, knowing and hearing the good news about God's character. So just an appeal to you, be very careful what you watch and what you consume, how much of it, because there's a lot of distraction right now in the church, not just locally, but around the states and probably globally. 
One little thought from Ellen White that a friend shared with me today that really reinforces this idea of the gospel being the last thing that happens on planet Earth before the coming of Jesus. This is from Christ Object Lessons, words from famous Adventist author Ellen White. The last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of love. That's Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom proclaimed to the world. That's it right there. The children of God are to manifest his glory in their own life and character. They are to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. That's the business we need to be about. So please, again, be careful about distraction. Now, back to our topic today on prayer. And the reason I just sandwiched that that distraction um, kind of side note is because we're talking today, thinking today about really important stuff, about prayer as this grounding place, starting place, birthplace of mission power. And I want you to be spending more time in prayer. So we're going to wrap up with Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Words you're familiar with. I'm just going to look at the first few phrases. This is not magic. There's no magic formula, but some ideas that may guide us in missional prayer. Here's the first one. Our Father in heaven. We begin this prayer, our prayer connection, Jesus says, should begin with some some way of remembering, number one, that God is our Father, this sense that God is our Daddy, this deep, attractive sense of our hearts moving toward His heart because we're enamored with the wonder of His love and affection for us, His child. By the way, the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Galatians, moves the heart of the believer to cry out, Daddy, to God. So this Daddy response, this Daddy reaching out to God, I should say this, this reaching out to God as Daddy is part of the impact of the gospel and the spirit in our lives. But there's something important here. It's not just my father, my daddy, it's our. And and that reminds us that we're in this together, that I am one of us. That when I talk to God, I'm talking to God as a member of the human family. So the prayer of Jesus begins with me being in a mindset that I may be a follower of God, but I'm a follower of God representing and part of a larger us. And this us isn't just people who believe in God. This larger us is the world who are all God's children. And then the second phrase, hallowed be your name. This hallowed is hagiazo, and it means set apart. In Hagiazo, when I say, hallowed be your name, I am essentially saying, 
May your name be set apart. It is a virtual prayer that the truth about God's character would flood the planet, that the truth about God's character would fill my world, in fact, our literal planet, that the glory and beauty and wonder of who God is and his goodness would become known to all the inhabitants of earth. It's like saying that God's goodness would go viral. So here, right at the beginning of the prayer is this missional longing that from my heart I'm saying, God, you're my father, you're our father. Now, God, may the whole world know, may may you just be set apart, lifted up, uniquely stand out in our world as this good and beautiful God that you are. That's this gospel-centered phrase, hallowed be your name. And then the prayer continues, and it continues like this. Your kingdom come. Again, these are the first words of the Lord's Prayer. We haven't even gotten to forgive me. We haven't even gotten to um, give me my bread today. We're, we're We're just talking stuff before that. And and so here we are at the third phrase, your kingdom come. This is missional. This is God. Please advance your kingdom. May, May the kingdom of your goodness and your righteousness, may it be established here. May what you may 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 your purposes be accomplished here. And I'm I'm sort of getting into the next piece of the um prayer because that is your will be done. So there's this big prayer, your kingdom come like like may the reign of God happen here but then kind of reinforcing that your will be done on earth and I want to pause real quick your will be done because I want us to remember that the will of God is this 2 Peter 3 9 instead he God is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance listen the will of God is the redemption of every human being now I understand the truth is that there will be far too many who say no and refuse salvation and will be lost. But God's will is the salvation of all people. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are joining that prayer, that will of God, and saying, God, I want your will to be advanced here as far as possible. May as many as possible, may your will be fulfilled in them, and they come to know you. And then we come to the full phrase, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is a direct prayer for the establishment of earth 2.0. In other words, a part of my regular prayer life should be, God, please bring into reality the new earth. In other words, I'm not just praying, God, I want to go to heaven. I'm praying, God, please make the new earth a reality. Make the new earth the reality here. Do your will, which is that this earth becomes a new earth. That is the will of God. And so all of the first pieces of the Lord's Prayer are missional. In other words, when I pray, my first orientation in prayer is toward the advancement of the knowledge of God and the mission of God and the establishment of God's kingdom in human hearts and then literally the establishment of God's kingdom on this earth. And so this prayer is in part a prayer also that God's kingdom be established 
among us, materialized among us. In other words, we're literally praying that the church would reflect as far as possible what heaven is like, how we treat each other, how we love each other. And we're also praying that that would then advance into our neighborhoods, that as far as possible, this place would be transformed by the impact of the gospel where I live, where we live. There's a story I want to wrap up with, John 5, 1 through 17. I'm not going to read the whole story. It's the story of the paralytic by the pool of Bethesda on a Sabbath. Whoa, Sabbath, yes, on a Sabbath. Jesus heals this paralytic by the pool on a Sabbath. The man is made whole. The religious leaders are angry, beside themselves with anger, because Jesus has just healed someone on Sabbath. In his defense, John 5, 17, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. <coughs> In other words, there is a work that God is about, and that is the restoration of human beings, physically and big picture, hearts and minds. That's what God's about. That's the work Jesus was doing on the Sabbath. That's the work he said his father's doing, and that's the work he again defended as himself being engaged in. Therefore, the first thing that we pray for after remembering that we're all God's creatures, the our father part, is the advancement of the mission of God. This is missional prayer. So I want to ask you, how are you praying for your neighbors? Jesus gives us some ideas, Matthew 5, um, 44. I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. In other words, missional living includes praying blessings on the people who take advantage of us, praying blessings on the people who hate us, praying blessings on the people who annoy us, wishing them well, that, that's part of how Jesus says, Matthew 5, 48, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I spent some time, and I'm going to wrap up with this, I spent some time and plan to do so again walking the campus of Bowdoin College and, and being in prayer for the professors and the students and um, I want you to begin thinking about your own neighborhood. Well, I'll talk more about prayer stuff in, uh, in upcoming messages pretty soon about thing, ways we're going to engage in prayer. But I just want to say today, number one, please begin praying the missional prayer that Jesus gives us kind of the, the blueprint for at that beginning part of the Lord's Prayer. But and you can do, and secondly, want to invite you to do that by talking to God about your neighbors. You know their needs. You see when the car is broken down. You see, I mean, like, become familiar with your neighbors. Not in a creepy way, but just become their friends. And then begin talking to God about their needs. Praying for God's blessing in their lives. Praying that God will help them with their job. Give them wisdom in managing their business. Help them pay the mortgage. Keep them safe at the hospital. Whatever it is, begin praying for God to be present in their lives. And then you, you'll begin to see God showing up. Praying for, for God to be present in your neighborhood. Praying for zoning meetings. Praying for tax meetings, etc. Like, Praying for the place you live and the people who live here, who live near you, that God would be at work in their lives. As we begin 
becoming more aware and praying for the advancement of the kingdom of God where we are in our neighborhood first. (coughs) And then, of course, our workplace and at the grocery store. Pray for the things you see. Let the world even say, God, I don't know what to pray for. I'm here to pray for my neighbors. I'm here to pray for my coworkers. I don't know what to pray for. Teach me how to pray around the mission of Jesus for my friends and my neighbors and my community. And allow the Holy Spirit to teach you how to engage God with the needs of your community. And as we do that, as we start like in the closet space, in the quiet alone space, praying about the mission of God, and then as we come together praying about the mission of God, as we do that, what we're promised is that God shows up uniquely. The early church was a powerhouse because the Holy Spirit came in response to united prayer, personal prayer, and then united prayer opened the doors for a movement that overturned the world. We need that kind of movement before the coming of Jesus. So please don't get distracted by all that YouTube stuff and Facebook stuff. You can get down all kinds of wormholes. Listen, get back to the mission of Jesus. Orient your prayers around the mission of Jesus. This year, I want us to think about mission, doing mission beginning in the private prayer and then in the united prayer and and then doing mission together that's why we're here because we want earth 2.0 to become reality and that part of that is you and i engaging in the mission of jesus let's pray god help us to be about your mission. God, advance your kingdom in our homes, our personal lives, our neighborhoods, our business places, our community. May the glory of God, may the truth of your name be known in our neighborhood, in our town of Brunswick or wherever we're residing. May your name be known. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more content or to connect with us, visit us online at brunswickadventist.church.